believe how tone deaf these people were, but the, the guy who was the spokesperson for, um, a, for no on propsy, who was like, uh, he was, I think he was actually an aide to Mark Farrell when he was a supervisor. Surprise, Surprise I, there. Uh, oh, he oh, hates that, homeless uh, people who uh, like, yeah, I know exactly. Yeah. He's got the, he's got that, he's got that Mark Farrell vibe going. Um, but he was like, we, like, he was like the next day he was so pissed. He was like, yeah, we're never going to see, you're never going to see a dime of that money, blah, blah, blah. But they're actually collecting the taxes. They're just keeping it in some kind of reserve. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is the money hasn't been released yet. But I think, I don't know if she felt, not, I shouldn't say felt bad, but I think she felt that she might look bad all after, you know, she kind of had, Mayor Breed kind of had egg on her face for yeah. opposing this deeply popular measure. Um, so I think she, she said something about, um, or she asked the city attorney to, you know, like move forward with defending it. Um, but, you know, I, I, I'm confident that it'll make it like, you know, I have faith that it'll make it. Um, but you know, it's going to, it's probably going to be a while. And I think, you know, Jenny Friedenbach, who's the head of the coalition on homelessness said it best. She was like, when people asked her, like the, the part that I had just mentioned where, you know, if it had had the support from the highest elected officials that it could have sailed past that, yeah. like they said, they, someone asked Jenny Friedenbach, like what, what she thought about that. And she's like, yeah, well, people are going to fucking die. Like, it's true, <laughs> you know that that's that's a, that's the tragedy of it. And but I'm still I'm still really happy that it that it made it um, because I'm I'm never I'm never opt I'm like I I'm never optimistic in electoral work. I'm just I think I'm just a skeptic by heart. Where yeah. I'm just like I don't know I don't know. Similar. Yeah. And I like there was a quote recently that it just it doesn't matter who's elected it just might make it better for organizing. Right. So it just depends on who's in office and what propositions have been passed. And yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, I think it was a big ballot proposition year. We don't have, I, as DSA does not have right now any, any future ballot propositions in the works at this moment. Um, I think we're taking a little breather, but mm-hmm. mostly focusing on a lot of the base building work we're doing, like tenant organizing and labor organizing and that's, all of that. Oh, that's great. Yeah. yeah and we should uh, mention that we met in the labor organizing class at CCSF. Yes, so we did. Yeah. A big plug for the CCSF uh, labor and community organizing department. Yeah, yeah, California labor history. That was a that was a great class, and you should definitely take it next. Well, I guess it would be next fall, but there's lots more stuff in the labor and community studies. It's free thanks to Free City College. Hopefully, there's a, there is a ballot measure for nine, for 2019 that is going to uh, basically determine whether the funding for Free City College for the next 10 years. Mm-hmm. I don't think it has a letter yet, but you should definitely keep that in mind oh, and go yeah. out there and vote for that because I think it's for November. Uh, I'm not 100% sure, but uh, keep an eye out for that because otherwise we're not going to have free city college. Yeah. And also, it's uh, folks can still register for spring classes. So if you check out CCSF, there's lots of different classes folks can take. So yep, any yep. listeners out there who are interested, uh, highly recommended. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Ugh, yeah. yeah. So we can um, take a bit of a music break, or unless there's anything else right now that comes to mind super casual here uh if i i'll just keep on mentioning that forever okay um you're listening to the weekly review on mutiny radio and we'll be back in just a bit
welcome back. I am joined here by Shanti Singh. And uh, one topic I thought we could discuss would be prison abolition. Yeah. How do we how do we get there? Um, oh man. So I want to preface this by saying that uh, I am not the prison abolition expert in DSA, although in SFTSA, although I very strongly believe in it, um, in the cause for prison abolition. It's one of the few things that National DSA has adopted as a policy, like as a priority. You're saying like we as an organization stand for that. We voted on that last year. Um, there are some folks who don't believe in that in DSA, but I think for the majority, uh, we do. And that's something that we felt strongly enough about, including, uh, also BDS, um, as something that we believe in and like as a, as a whole national org. Um, but yeah, it's been, I think, I think DSASF has been a pretty, always been a pretty vociferous uh, proponent of prison abolition. And we've been having, you know, sort of more workshops and stuff to, to work with people on what that is and what that really means. But, you know, I think, um, how to get there. That's a really, it's a really tricky question. Um, or not tricky question. It's such a, it's such a big question. Um, Honestly, like I, I think it's it's something that's starting to pol- prison and police abolition yeah. is starting to make it's starting to the, the the number one argument. You know, there's always the kind of the, the most simplistic argument against, like for example, when you ask, say, like we should have Medicare for all, and someone says, how do you pay for it or something? You know, for prison abolition, in my experience, it's always been like, you know, well, what are you going to do with like rapists and murderers and stuff like that? And it's kind of like, it, or you know, you're just going to have nothing, like no system of like punishment at all or like you know so the the couple of things that i think like help too is first of all just saying uh, it's, it's a compelling argument i think people are starting to see that more and more where it's like oh well the system is not really designed to catch rapists and murderers right um especially from a i think the the sort of like mainstream kind of like feminist like more liberal consciousness but the, you know people getting even outraged about that like that that stanford guy who like got off like for after three months oh, for raping brock somebody turner, yeah. brock turner etc but I, one thing that i feel like i've noticed more and more is that that people are starting to see not just through like black lives matter and seeing police brutality in their faces on video in the news etc but but also seeing more um also seeing that from like also the me too angle and you know the the sort of angle that like no one really like you can pretty much get away with anything if you're if you're like because of patriarchy because of like class like politics because of all of that um so i I think that's more i don't know i think there's more of a sort of a consciousness among like you know i i hear more again this is totally anecdotal but i definitely hear more sort of just being like oh yeah like you know police don't like they're not there to actually meet out justice in any sort of real way or anything, um, among, among regular people. But I mean, yeah, it's, um, <laughs> it's such a, it's such a big question. I think the way that like, you know, us as a small group of socialists can or, or do handle it is just trying to have that as our practice in terms of like how we evaluate all the, the work that we do, whether, um, on, whether it's like helping, uh, for example, like, I mean, thinking about projects that our justice committee is working on, um, helping support Kevin Cooper, who's been wrongfully imprisoned and on death row for a really long time. Um, or, you know, potentially doing like mutual aid, or the people projects or doing coalition work with folks like justice for Mario Woods, et cetera. I think it's a, it's, it's good to always put the idea out there, but I think right now in terms of what you can actually do about it, it's that there's always going to be, or not always going to be, but like wherever you are, there's 
police brutality happening. There's mass incarceration happening. And I, I think the best thing that for people who do sort of are starting to see the logic of abolition to do is just plug into plug into those movements like mm-hmm. Mothers on the March, which is at 850 Bryant every Friday, mm-hmm. um, you know, to, to talk more to Justice for Mario Woods Coalition, et cetera. If you're, if you're in the East Bay, the Anti-Police Terror Project. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I think it, it can take a it take in a range of forms from direct protests to uh, to like serve the people mutual aid programs. Um, DSA did a bunch of brake light clinics. Oh yeah, that anti police terror project. To their credit, they're the ones who taught us how to do it. <laughs> yeah, um, but a bunch of DSA chapters are are going around and doing that. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's the it's most the the most success of I've sort of had is in terms of trying to point out that the nature of the carceral state. To, to people who aren't already dyed in the wool mm-hmm. Marxists um, comes through all of the stuff that's happening like yeah through through me too through what's happening at the border um, and and also just what's happening here in San Francisco every day which people just kind of ignore and walk by every time SFPD is busting up an encampment etc yeah um, there's it there's lots of examples I think to, to kind of that show people how much this is not about justice in any way shape right. or form um but yeah what's the yeah. yeah that that that's my sort of rambling way of saying there's i'm just trying to attack it from all angles yeah i think the thing that comes up for me a lot is that the people in positions of power are the ones who are the ones causing the harm whether it's the war criminals or right, certain people right. being elected into office or some folks in law enforcement exactly like they're the ones who are committing these really heinous crimes in the first place yeah yeah exactly you know getting millions of people killed for yeah no fucking reason um, yeah, but yeah, there's still, there's still, there's still a long way to go on that. I think it's just, a, it's amazing to me, honestly, how many people have just even taken the existence of ISIS conventional wisdom, like a thing that didn't exist in my living memory. I'm mm-hmm. 28. Like it's existed since I was like, what? 11, like September yeah. 11th. Yeah. After September 11th is when they founded DHS and people uh, are like, well, like we don't, we can just reform do ICE. We don't have to abolish ICE. Like uh, I think abolish ICE is only popular with i want to say like 30 percent of democrats or something which means the rest of them are like well ice is really bad we should like make them be good and i was like this shit didn't exist like right 15 years ago what the fuck like you, you don't need this like so that that's 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 really that's really difficult is just the sort of conventional wisdom of like we have to have we have to have prisons for the rapists and the murderers and we have to have borders so we can't let everybody in like yeah yeah that's always going to be that's always going to be an issue but it's just trying to target that materially and you know a lot of that that's what those movements are already doing like you know mothers on the march yes mm-hmm. they're they're mothers of people victims of police brutality or, or relatives of victims of police brutality but they have a concrete demand and it's no new jail shut down the jail at yeah. Bryant, no new jail and you know um we just need more people joining in that you know that's a that's a that's a local abolitionist demand basically mm-hmm. and I, that's something that is really resonant and i think that people can people can plug into and, and show out to support them because they could really use that support it's another another plug yeah, yeah. and you, earlier you mentioned the name kevin cooper and yeah. i'm unfamiliar with kevin's case um <clears throat> so again i'm <laughs> going to like you probably botch this but um yeah he was basically i mean he was he was wrongfully framed for murder but when he went on trial even the uh, even the even the judge i believe like 
actually said, I don't actually think the sentencing, like, I don't actually think this guy did it. I believe they caught some of the uh, cops and prosecutors, uh, like, kind of tampering with evidence. Um, <sighs> but, you know, he was still on death row. There's bas- He's basically been asking... If not for if not for you know clemency, but for at least a new DNA test, mm-hmm. a new DNA test will exonerate him yeah. almost definitely. Um, and you know, speaking speaking of the Democratic Party, um, one of the the, the people who uh, completely ignored his case and for or his request to get a new DNA test in his case for a long time, completely shut it down was Kamala Harris. Um, and now I think I, I, now I believe she said something about it, um, which was like, yeah, you know, DNA testing for people like Kevin Cooper, because, you know, she has presidential ambitions, but she didn't give a shit. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, the good news is, I think, last week or a couple of weeks ago that uh, Jerry Brown actually did order like as part of his sort of last round of giving clemency to people mm-hmm. and, um, was uh, he ordered a new round of DNA testing for him, which is great. And like. It's really it's been really cool as a DSASF our justice committee has been hosting or like they do, they've done a couple things where he'll like live from death row where he'll video conference in and talk to people and answer their questions mm-hmm. and stuff and I'm just like I'm like seriously amazed by his like his resilience he's been in behind bars for a really long time. Yeah. I think longer than I've been alive potentially. Wow. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, I'm very glad that this new DNA testing was ordered. No thanks to Kamala Harris. I'm, yeah. If she brings him up during her campaign, I'm going to be so pissed off. I, I, yeah, I'm not, not a fan of the Democrats here. Yeah. I, I, uh, I, so, I mean, I feel like I should also not have hope or faith in folks who constantly disappoint. And at the same time, there's that part of me that, like, the, the Charlie, Charlie Brown in the football who's like, maybe this time. And then it's like... It's very it's a, rarely. It's okay to be. I don't know. It's okay to be excited about people. Like I get excited about Ocasio Cortez. Yes. Yeah. Same. I do. Like the, some of the stuff she's doing is really exciting. Um. You know. But you know, elected officials are always going to be part of the power structure. Yeah. I, I say this like I'm actually to be make it super uncomfortable now. I'm actually kind of running as one, not really as an elected official, but you know, it, it, I'm running uh, next week as actually as a part of a coalition of like labor folks and some progressive people as like just to be like a delegate it's like a private election you're a delegate to the democratic party and what that basically means is you get to vote on all this stuff Mm -hmm. um you don't get to vote on candidates or like you know like we're not going to it's not about like bernie versus whoever um although i mean i if i have to pick one of them i would pick bernie um but you know it's more about like we you know saying what the california democratic party like they like Costa Hawkins repeal or mm-hmm. something like that. Like, you know, um, we, we want universal rent control. Yeah. Uh, we want to abolish ICE. We want a Green New Deal. I mean, yeah. that's what we're saying. We want to end homelessness, homeless sweeps across yes. the state. Yes. So that's that's kind of like what that group of folks is running on. But that's yeah. great. But yeah, it is still going into the, the, the maw of the Democratic beast, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, it's it's always it's it's always like you have to be we all have to be realistic about, you know, what elected officials are, are going to do for us. But I think um, the best, sort of the best thing, quote, I kind of heard about that kind of described how I feel sometimes as a fairly pessimistic person as well was from um, Yanis Varoufakis, who's like the old, uh, he used to be the Greek economy minister. Mm-hmm. I think he was with Syriza. And he kind of like was like, let's get the fuck out of here after this. They kind of, after Syriza said, we're going to fight austerity, and then they didn't fight austerity. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that he, I heard him say recently was he was like you know um like 
like all elections are betrayals. That doesn't mean that we don't do them. Revolutions eat their own children. That doesn't mean that we don't do them. Mm -hmm. And I think that pretty much sums up how I feel about it. Yeah. 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 That's good. I have to think about that. Yeah. Yeah. I do. And I do feel like there's like anything we can do, like diversity of tactics. Right. In order to move things forward. And at the very least, it pushes the other folks, either the more mainstream or centrist, it pushes them leftwards to at least have arguments for what should be. Right, right. And I don't think I don't think DSA would have any success as an organization if it didn't embrace a diversity of tactics. Mm-hmm. A diversity of tactics of course doesn't mean like every tent has poles, you know. It doesn't mean like a like diversity of ideology to the point where people are like, Yeah, well I'm a capitalist, but I'm gonna be I'm oh. a capitalist in DSA. <laughs> like, no, you can't be. But um, <laughs> But, but yeah, we don't really, I, I, we've been a pretty broad organization and, you know, I think we've tried to be more like we, we've tried to keep it that way so that people feel that they can engage with organizing practices and ideas, especially because a lot of people are coming in DSA being like, we're like their gateway drug to socialism, mm-hmm. right? Um, coming in sort of having a vague idea of what that is, but maybe not really fully understanding what socialism is, but still being able to plug into plug into stuff and actually, you know, as long as we're thinking about, you know, as long as we have in the background, like, is this building power for the left? Is this building working class power when we do projects, when we organize, you know, that gives people an opportunity to come in and and engage with socialism Mm -hmm. in a way that they probably, and it doesn't, you don't have to like read a set amount of like capital before you, before you sign up. Yeah. Although it's cool if you do. Yes, yes. So for folks who are interested in, in joining up, I know you mentioned that there's a few different committees already, but are there f- ways folks can like tune in either if they're local or? Yeah, I mean, we have lots of, th- any any sort of direct like actions and stuff we undertake, a lot of them are, are pretty much like open to the public. It's not necessarily like you can't come do um, some sort of public work unless you're a member of DSA just mm-hmm. because we're spearheading the action itself. Um, so, I mean, the easiest thing is just to follow us on social media. We're always constantly talking about ways to get plugged in. For example, you know, one of the things that we tried to do is we did when, when local two, uh, the hotel workers union yeah. went on the Marriott strike. Um, one of the things we tried to do to get DSA to show up for local two, um, was a, uh, a, it was like a first timers strike challenge. So mm-hmm. we're like, let's try to get 20 first time strikers. Those are picket line supporters this yeah. week or whatever. Um, it's just, and that, that actually was really effective in getting people to come out and DSA people even like adopted, uh, one picket line somewhere in Soma. Um, but we go to, we go to other ones, but it was great because, you know, people like a lot of people had never been on a picket line before Mm -hmm. and they're going to be on a lot more picket lines before things are, before things get better. So, um, but yeah, but yeah, I think we've always tried to be open in that way and, get people to engage with whatever makes them feel what, what makes them feel comfortable, but also what makes them feel uncomfortable. Right. Like, but, um, and I think as long as we do that, hopefully, you know, we'll continue, we'll continue making an impact, but yeah, DSA, of course, we're constantly going to have to, like, we're living under capitalism and we're living in a democratic machine city. Mm -hmm. We have to constantly, you know, be skeptical of ourselves and evaluate, evaluate what we're doing. But, um, I think having that strategy of openness, but also of doing a lot of community solidarity work with marginalized communities, with marginalized groups all over the city and, and rooting, rooting our coalition building in that. I think that's, I think that's the way to go. And I think hopefully that'll, that means we can get a lot more done in the next year. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing what's next. Yeah. Well, there's lots. Again, we have so many committees. Yeah. There's always something going on at our office. We're at 3350 Alabama Street, not too far from Mutiny Radio, actually. Um, but if you follow, yeah, follow us on social media, on Facebook or Twitter, Democratic Socialists of America, San Francisco. Um, I think we're DSA underscore SF on Twitter. Um, but the, we're always posting stuff that people can go to and get involved in. And there's something going on. There's like 10 things going on every day. So. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Cool. Well, I'm happy to, you know, share uh, events in the future too. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. 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 Anything else you'd like to share? Um, no, I was just going to say, yeah, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure your listeners probably are preaching to the choir, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely a dark time, but I am really, really, really heartened and amazed by all of the work that DSA has done, not just ballot, ballot measures, but like actual like base building and organizing, you know, helping like like helping organize around in, in Bayview, helping complexes like Midtown and the Fillmore, um, which is something I work on a lot from mm-hmm. like, you know, trying to help them support them and not being demolished by the city. Yeah. Um, which they are not being demolished by the city, but the next push is they deserve cooperative ownership. But there, there's always, there's so many things that like are in my head right now that I'm not even mentioning, you know, um, the Lenetic strike, like helping or the you know, local two strike or helping, you know, uh, like the like unionized tech workers who got fired or, um, labor solidarity yeah labor solidarity tenant organizing abolitionist organizing you know um showing up against like shitty police policies um there's pretty much any anything you want to do in dsa um you can pretty much do it so that's an excellent plug yeah yeah cool and you mentioned uh the tech workers organizing getting fired can you speak more a bit a- yeah, about yeah, that? yeah. So um, there was so Lanetics was the name of the company or Lanetix. Maybe I'm saying it wrong, but um, some of their engineers tried to unionize. They basically fired them all. They won. They won a lawsuit. Um, but you know, I think uh, a bunch of DSA folks like sort of marched and, and protested them in solidarity with Tech Workers Coalition, mm-hmm. um, trying to sort of defend their right to organize. You know, again, like it's it, tech workers are incredibly and I used to I used to be one so that's why I'm saying this but you know the idea of tech workers like there's so little labor solidarity in that sector mm-hmm. and I honestly think that if there were more labor solidarity between tech workers that maybe they would start to under have a little more solidarity with folks outside of the tech industry yeah right it's they're very like it's very atomized like being a tech worker in like Silicon Valley in the Bay Area you're very sort of transient like you're here for a few years maybe we get relocated to Seattle you're not really invested in your community mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, there are tech workers who are the exception, but they're the exception that proves the rule, right? Including like the folks at Tech Workers Coalition who are amazing. You're starting to see more stuff there with like the Google walkout, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. Um, I think some one of the organizers of Google walkout just quit this week because Google absolutely did not <laughs> do shit. Um, I mean, you're starting to see that more, but uh, reason I, the reason I'm hopeful about stuff like that is that I actually, I really do think that when you start to, when you start to like practice and build solidarity at even the smallest level, like I think you, it does make you a lot more aware of what's going on at a much bigger level. Um, which hopefully I think as someone who works and does a lot of anti-gentrification solidarity work with mm-hmm. DSA is a lot of what, like what I do personally, um, it is, I think incredibly important because a lot of people just do not fucking get it. Yeah. Yeah. 
<sighs> yeah, and I was also thinking recently about the that Google was I think I forget how many billions of dollars that they are keeping offshore, like in Bermuda oh, yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. Which is not a surprise. And then it's also thinking about uh, Muni could be totally not only could workers from Muni get raises, but like Muni could be free for everyone if oh, these tech God. companies paid their taxes. Or if yeah, or if we could tax the 70 billionaires that live in the walls of San borders of San Francisco alone. Yeah. That was I mean, yeah, the the Muni. I mean, as you know, like we actually in our labor history class, we were both in together. The the head of the Muni Workers Union or Drivers Union was there in in there as well. And like hearing from him was just like really really illuminating, especially because I even I I tend, obviously I like to think I'm aware of this of shit like this, but I did not realize how little Muni drivers were getting paid, even like, and it's absolutely squarely on like the responsibility of. You know, the guy, the supervisor at the time in 2010, who's now coming back as Mayor Breed's chief of staff, Sean mm. Ellsburn, and then Spur, which is like this urbanist think tank, yeah. that has a lot of cachet in like, you know, we're like, we talk about housing and equitable development and stuff like that. And, you know, like, it's like, it's like, and, you know, they're like the policy. They have this very shiny reputation as a policy think tank. They have these like lavish parties and everything, Oof. like panels and stuff like that. Like, yeah, they have like a really sweet setup. They get a lot of money. It's coming, I believe, some of it comes from developers. But anyway, um, but the Spur and Ellsburn like put this ballot measure forward in 2010 and they've, they, they lied. They lied to people. They told people with this proposition, they were like, listen, like it's a recession and the muni workers are getting a raise. And no one else was getting a raise. Mm-hmm. And they said that's not fair. So that's how they marketed it. And the muni, um, the raises, the pay raises were basically baked into the city charter, which other public sector union workers' raises weren't. But the muni workers' union was like, we're fine with taking it out of the charter. So that's not really what it was. They were saying, oh, they were trying to like basically say, oh, it's a recession. Everyone's suffering, but these guys are suffering slightly less, so let's make them suffer as much as the rest of us. And, you know, they promised Spur, you know, being like the transit wonk, you know, think tank, whatever the fuck. Or like, oh, there's this community's gonna flourish. You're gonna see so much new service, etc. We're we're gonna have a but we're gonna get out of a budget hole and everything will be like it's gonna be amazing. And they sold it that way, and they sold it on the point that oh, it's not fair that the these guys get a raise guaranteed in the city charter and no one else does. Um, and even though that's not the part that they objected to, the part that the unions correctly objected to was that they put in all of these provisions and like that that were like you have to accept forced private arbitration and all this bullshit, which is what they really wanted to do. Like, they wanted to crush unions or whatever. I mean, and it passed. And since then, it's been harder and harder. Like, they just shoved this private arbitration down muni workers' throats to the point Mm. where, like, if you're a muni driver, you can't, you, you get paid, like, $36,000. $36,000. You don't get paid the full salary you're supposed to make until like, I think it was like, it used to be 18 months and now it's five years. <sighs> and like, that's how it went from, from 2010 to 2018. And it's absolutely related to that, to that stuff. And you know, this guy is back in the mayor's office. Mm-hmm. Spur is like, you know, with the rise of the, the Yimby, you know, quote unquote movement or whatever. Um, if they still have as much cash, they have as much access to the halls of power as they've ever had. Um, they have as much money as they ever had. And like, you know, for, for the leading voice on housing and transit, some sort of ostensibly independent think tank, like they absolutely should be held to account for the like absolute malfeasance. Like we're seeing muni shortages like we've never seen before because there's no incentive for a driver to live in San Francisco. Right. Right. And, 
do all of that work, um, which is a really hard job. Um, and you know, people, there's no, the retention's gone down, all of that's gone down. And it's, it's because of it. It's a classic union busting, but mm-hmm. it's like classic union busting from like sort of the, the people like occupying the mayor's office and the people who are supposedly the experts on housing and transit policy. And like, yeah, they, they absolutely like not enough, you know, when I was researching this stuff, I, I was just like flabbergasted by like reading about what this campaign was like. And you know, they, they should absolutely because it's it's the now that's 2019 and the muni drivers uh, all the public sector unions contracts are up mm-hmm. and Sean Ellsburn as as Mayor Breed's chief of staff is going to be the guy who's going to be negotiating with them so I mean that's something that I think we all have to be on high alert on because you know if they tried to screw private work private or public sector workers once they'll absolutely do it or all the time yeah. you know the sort of chamber of commerce SF association of realtors moderate sort of loose or not loose but like you know kind of formation that's been there through all of San Francisco's history, like they're gonna, they're absolutely gonna try that shit again, um, and like we definitely have to be on red alert. But yeah, as as someone whose personal like interests are like someone whose issue is housing mm-hmm. um, and and transit, it's like absolutely <laughs> fucking nuts to me that these people are still running around scot free um, after after being entirely responsible for like a, basically a public transit death spiral. Yeah. In a city whose population's been steadily growing. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, I, I lived in New York for a while, and hearing about what's happening with the subway there, and it's different since, since the MTA is more of a monopoly, um, right. but it's still, it's just, you can really see the the rise in the, the ride-sharing, I would say, in quotation marks. Right, you know, Those right. private companies yeah. uh, being made to be alternatives to uh, public transit when public transit has been around for so much longer and which is yeah and it, I mean I wonder how much like those all of those like Uber and Lyft and stuff like they're all of their rides are subsidized by gobs and gobs and gobs of venture capital money I think they someone said every Uber ride is subsidized by 40 percent wow by venture capital money they don't even like that people are like yeah like people let's defend uber and lyft and everything it was like for all obviously their labor practices are shit and they help drive drivers into debt and all of that stuff too but it's extra funny to me because i'm like even if you're like the most pro like tech guy capitalist whatever like they don't turn a profit like they're literally just they just soak up money like uber most of all but yeah i i just always think that's funny it was like same thing with this company like amazon amazon's never turned a profit like <sighs> right like it's just um yeah. so i'm saying even if you're like this big capitalist whatever guy and you're like you can't even like <laughs> you're like justifying these behemoths who exploit their workers and don't even like return a profit like they're like why uh, yeah I, it's just amazing what they what they overlook but yeah I mean going back to the public transit thing like it's absolutely there is a there and especially for you know if you're a woman for example or like if you just in any any group where you might feel unsafe at a certain place at mm-hmm. night or something like by yourself waiting at a bus stop for like 45 minutes for a bus you know then you're going to be like I'm going to take an Uber yeah. or a Lyft home that's yeah. a totally rational decision to make I think Joe Fitz from the Examiner reported on mm-hmm. it recently where he called it the, the pink tax mm-hmm. um, and that's a real thing but it's not the muni driver's fault it's the people it's the people who are actually in charge of, of our city government and the fact that the, the people who are responsible for that decision are back after 8 years like does not make me feel confident um it makes me feel like we're probably going to need to bring more attention to this issue and 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 kind of stand with the muni workers and fight them this year but yeah i'm excited i always like yelling at people i wouldn't be in dsa otherwise that's great i have the urge to yell at people and i mostly yell into the microphone 
So I appreciate folks who. Well, you can always show up and it's good to yell at people in numbers. Yeah. Oh, that I do. Feel better. That's true. I guess I just, I don't do it on my own, but I do it. uh, Yeah. Yeah. I did. I did yell at one and breathe through a bullhorn. Oh, wow. This year, which was, I don't think she was happy about it. (laughs) So, but otherwise I also do most of my yelling in groups. Mm Mm-hmm. Can be very cathartic. Yeah, it can be. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I also just want to do a brief mention or plug for Homobiles, which has been a, a ride service that's been around for a while, and that's for uh, queer folks who are looking for rides, and it's donation based. Oh, that's so, awesome! Yeah, it was it was created before Lyft and Uber and all those, and their idea was kind of taken. Really, from I did not them. know that. Yeah. Damn. So yeah, Lenny Breedlove from uh, Tribe Eight was one of the f- folks who created it, and it was really just making sure that there are folks who. Oftentimes, especially like leaving late, coming home from, you know, bars or clubs, especially if, if folks are, you know, sometimes our folks are in drag or, or not. Oh, that's um, awesome. So it's providing safe rides for people, okay. um, not based on income or any of that. All right. I'm definitely going to plug that everywhere. Yeah. Homemobiles. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Great. Well, uh, if there's anything else you'd like to, to share before we... We haven't got time, so... No, it's fuck capitalism. That's <laughs> Yeah. Indeed. That's one of the themes of the show on every show is, is fuck capitalism and how do we create the world without it? Nope. <laughs> so... Working on it. Indeed. Well, thanks so much for being here. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. And feel free to come back and also... Uh, invite other DSA folks. Anytime. Great. There'll be a lot more of us soon. Yay. Looking forward to it. All right. So we're going to play some more music and we'll be wrapping up the show in just a bit. Uh, stay tuned. Living on channels. <laughs>
and welcome back to the weekly review. We are we are finishing up the show. Big thank you to Shanti Singh for coming in and speaking about the work of the uh, DSA in San Francisco, as well as a lot of other organizations that are taking part right now and have been taking part in 2018. If you'd like more information, <laughs> uh, please check out dsasf.org. Again, DSA sf.org there's also dsa chapters around the country so if you are living outside the bay area there may be one near you also you can follow dsasf on twitter as well and their twitter handle is at dsa underscore sf we'll be back next week with another show more information and more music. Thanks again so much for listening in. There are shows here seven days a week at Mutiny Radio, every day of the week. If you're interested in having a show here of your own, please contact Pam, who's a station director. You can find that all that information at mutinyradio.fm. Come here, have a show of your own. It's totally open, free speech. We also do space rentals here as well. So if that's something you're interested in, to do a live broadcast or a concert or a poetry reading or a fundraiser or anything. We even have a we have a projector here, I believe, so you can also do a screening here. That's also a possibility. Please do get in touch. Thanks so much for the folks who contribute uh, regularly regularly to the show. We have a Patreon that's up at patreon.com forward slash weekly rev. Super grateful for all the folks who contribute. Uh, if you're interested, again, the Patreon is patreon.com forward slash weekly rev. The funds go to pay for the dues for the show and uh, keeps the doors open. Really appreciate all the folks who help out. Also, thanks to the listeners out there. Thanks to the folks living your lives. It's not easy. There's a lot of things to be frustrated and angry about. And at the same time, there are so many beautiful things that are happening right now and amazing people out there in the world. So thanks for doing what you do and thanks for listening in. And I believe women's magazine with global Val and common thread collective will be back next week. And if you're interested in checking out any archive shows, we have them at mutinyradio.fm. We've got archives of shows that are currently on the air, shows that were previously on the air. And I believe there will be some other, we have also another set of archives that will be uploaded at some point. That would be great. So thanks again for listening. And I will uh, share another B-52 song with you all, playing quite a few songs here off uh, Cosmic Thing, their 1989 release. And this song is uh, at the end of the album, and it's called Follow Your Bliss. So hope everyone is able to follow your bliss this week. And take care, everyone.
Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of MutinyRadio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer ya. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> Asiento, take a seat at Asiento on 21st and Bryant. Meet friends for a drink, have delicious tapas and a relaxed community atmosphere. Asiento, honestly, is a wonderful place. They have incredible bartenders and board games all over the walls. Trivia on Mondays, Taco Tuesdays, First Wednesday, live jazz, live DJs Thursday, parties. The food is darn good. Special happy hour prices all night long with your Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival ticket March 1st through 5th. Check out the schedule at www.asientosf.com. Come take a seat. I had a date there and it did not go well. But it wasn't the fault of the place. They're very nice. Asiento. For a burger, Mutiny Radio thinks you'll find the best burger in San Francisco at Counter Offer, located inside Bender's Bar and Grill. Counter Offer's menu aims to please your drunk face. Tater tots are served daily. On Tuesday nights, Counter Offer serves specials off the Taco Bell menu, only better. You can enjoy your favorite Taco Bell item without the guilt. Counter Offer uses only fresh ingredients and never store-bought shit. Special ingredients are made from scratch daily, including beans, ketchup, mustard, habanero sauce, and ranch dressing. Counter Offer even serves vegan mac and cheese. All of this great food is served 2 p.m. to 10 p.m. daily and until 11 p.m. on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Counter Offer is located inside Bender's Bar and Grill at 806 South Van S. Be sure to tell them Mutiny sent you. Counter Offer, baby. Everybody should listen to Mutiny Radio at mutinyradio.fm. It's a great place to listen to crazy things. Subliminal SF Visual and Auditory Mind Control brings you the best, coolest t-shirt and hoodie designs and mind-bending local bands and shows at venues all over San Francisco and the Bay Area. Subliminal SF is here to destroy your sense of normalcy and plant ideas in your skull to make you cooler and a more awesome person. Check out all the badass products at subliminalsf.myshopify.com. That's subliminalsf.myshopify.com. And experience Subliminal SF.
welcome. Bender's Bar and Grill, located at 806 South Van Ness in the Mission District of San Francisco. Your favorite bar with awesome bartenders, rotating local art, and a killer back patio. It's a great place to hang out and play one of their two pool tables or old school pinball machine with a tasty adult beverage. Live music every Saturday for only $5. Bender's brings you face-melting metal and rock and roll. The last Friday of the month, Punk Rock and Schlock delivers super fun karaoke with Aileen. Come on, what's not to like? They even have counter-offer inside, frying up the tots with sexy hot burgers for your face. Open every day at 2 p.m. Their happy hour goes till 7 p.m. Bender's is proud to be a sponsor of the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival because they're an awesome community asset to the dirtbags who keep art alive.
about the need for everyone to get away from parents and teachers, to do something on his own, to discover, but almost in the same breath about how eventually I'd have to straighten myself out if I were going to amount to anything in this world. Lonnie assumed my alienation from society. I asked him about his own situation. Well, you know, where I really want to be, I know that'll never work. He was talking about a home in Reno with his wife and kids. His marriage had been a failure, he conceded sadly. But before long, his tone had turned from regret to expectation. What I'm doing now is experiment. It relieves the pressure that took up 18 years of my life. That was an experiment, too. But now I know I don't want it. I don't want any more kids. I don't want to get back into the obligated thing. Now I'm going to do a little living, the things I want to do. Like I said, what I'm doing now, what you and me both doing, is experimenting. We're experimenting for knowledge. I think you got to do it. You a fool not to do it. We passed behind a food processing plant. Lonnie picked up a piece of sugar cane and gnawed on it as we walked.
told Lonnie I agreed wholeheartedly, but that sometimes you can get enough of experimenting. Sometimes you want something normal and dependable. Well, that's why I'm going to get that job, Lonnie said. Then I'm going back home to St. Louis and see my mama. Why don't you just go to St. Louis and see her now? I demanded, tired of having my ears filled with improbable plans. Oh, man, you don't understand. My folks put me through school. I had two years of college in St. Louis. My sister went, too. We were the onlyest ones in my family, and the onlyest blacks in the whole school. You know, Mama didn't have no school at all. Mama picked cotton in Franklin Parish her whole life. But she wanted me to go to college real bad, and so I did. But here I am now, college educated, and you're saying, go home and visit your mama when I'm a tramp? No way, man, not never. First, I'm gonna get me that van, have something to show for myself. Now I see, I said. Morning had come before we reached San Jose. Lonnie thought the tracks would take us right into town, but apparently we missed a turn and ended up walking through a large upper middle class neighborhood. People were awake now, picking up their morning papers and backing cars out of their driveways to go to work. The place reminded me of home and I walked leisurely down the sidewalk. But Lonnie felt very self-conscious, especially with his black eye. The last mile to the mission was nearly a sprint. We spent the day lazing around San Jose, and in the evening joined the long line waiting for admission to the Salvation Army. When Lonnie heard the rumor that an ID was required for admission, he nibbled nervously on his beard. What's wrong, I asked. When I was beat up, they took my ID. Well then, let's go somewhere else. No, no, maybe I can make it. Look, if you get in and I don't, maybe we can meet somewheres in the morning. Sounds good to me. How about the post office at 8? Gotcha. Goodbyes, 
to sail Cut the line I could wait till the end of time Say the world Would you be my girl Swallow the sea Could you fall for me Say the world Would you be my girl Swallow the sea Could you fall for me
at Black Blast Mutiny Radio out of them. Keep listening.
it, but I made my mind up. You wind up in my arms. First, I'll have to break down your resistance to my charms. Yes, darling, I know it won't be easy. But I won't stop until I find a way. Everybody knows that Rome wasn't built in a day. How I'll make it happen, I'm not certain. I'm working on a plan. And when I get it tight, you believe I'm your man. You don't know it yet, but you'll surrender when I make my play. Everybody knows that wrong wasn't built in a day. I'll offer you protection, 24-hour love and affection. It'll take time to make it right. And a silver band will play Everybody knows that Rome Wasn't built in
Flap Black Plastic Muni Radio FM.
บนนั้นมันฉันฟ้องได้ยินไหมคุณโปรดเธอลดลงมาหากันหน่อยนะครับก็ผมมันกลัวความสูงแค่มองยังไม่กล้าตัวตัวไต่ลงมา
Saw your fire when my train rolled in, partner, he said. Okay if I join you for a minute? I waved him in coolly, with his brand new clothes, shiny shoes, clean-shaven face, and clean, close-clipped fingernails. He did not look like a tramp just off a freight. But as I put on some coffee water, he explained himself. He was just in from Salt Lake, just out of a week-long marriage to a Mormon woman. Oh, I thought it was gonna be great, he said, talking excitedly. She wasn't the best-looking thing, but she was rich. Big old house, nice car. She bought me all this shit, he said, gesturing at his clothing. New pants, floor shimes, the works. But after a couple days, I couldn't stand her. She was jealous, he said, of the friendliness between him and her mother. She walked the house at night holding a pair of scissors in her hand. I could just see her stabbing me with those things through the sheets, you know what I mean? Those nice satin sheets. He looked momentarily wistful. But she was taking pills at night, talking to herself. Shit, I couldn't sleep either. She messed with my head. Finally, he said, I put my boot in her ass and split. His bedroll was made up of the covers from their bed. He talked nervously but without stopping, like one who'd had nobody to talk with for a long time, who had just been through an experience that he desperately needed to share. No matter that the details were intimate, and I, a complete stranger. I met her in a store three weeks ago, he explained. I was just shopping. That sounded unlikely, but he stuck to it. I saw her in there a few times, and then I asked her out. Before long, she'd driven him to Elko, and they were married in the Wedding Bells Chapel, a garish storefront wedding parlor I'd seen downtown. That part fit anyway. Since few tramps had stopped by in the past couple of days, I'd bought a bottle of wine in the hope that it would help me meet some. Noticing that the gunboat of coffee water had boiled down, I brought the wine out. The tramp looked very pleased. Name's Monty, he said, after taking a very long swallow. Sonny, I returned, adding only that I was just in from California. I took a sip of wine and was quiet, having no similar experience to share. That did not slow down Monty. His talk hopscotch from Louis L'Amour, his favorite author of Western novels, to cotton fields in Texas where he'd worked in prison, to movies. Almost single-handedly, Monty finished three quarters of the bottle, and it occurred to me he'd probably done so on an empty stomach. Wine is a strange mocker, he said all of a sudden. In the end, it stings like an adder. Where'd you hear that? sounded like the kind of thing they might pound into your head at a detox center. Monty shifted his big frame unsteadily on the small, overturned bucket on which he sat. Eh, just picked it up, he said, clearly beginning to lose his sense of balance. That's what got Cleopatra, you know, an adder. He went on to tell me the story of Antony and Cleopatra, speaking more slowly now. She one day just asked to leave started crying. That's what gets me when they turn on the water. Big horse turd tears. For the first time, Monty was crying.
down at the ground, his head resting in his hands. A tear dropped into the dust between his feet. Monty reached for his gear and, to my surprise, produced a bottle from his own bedroll. But he barely unscrewed the top when he began to weep openly. I thought it was going to be great, he sobbed uncontrollably now. I thought I found me a brand new slot. I placed my hand on his shoulder and Monty really let loose. It was his fourth marriage, he said. What really had happened was she kicked him out. He didn't think he'd ever be able to live with a woman. His first wife left him for his best friend. The second just disappeared one day. And now this, now this, he sobbed. Brother, don't you ever fall in love. Yeah, I guess, like. 
Laplac Plastic on Uni Radio with our brown cousin Milar. Uni Radio. Got a website, donate some money. Please.
get the, the roll of film? Did you find it? No, I had my folks bring it from the States when they came. Uh, so I think you can find it. Uh, you can get yeah, like the You can get color and you can get it developed, but I don't know.
Thank <laughs> you.